We have been having such a blast with the Makers of Minnesota dinners that we've been having at the Lexington, we've decided to change up the format a bit and have a spring cocktail party. That way, more people will be able to experience all of the great makers that we get to talk to. We're going to be having Prize Brewing, Vicre Distilling, Wild State Cider, Dash Fire, Crooked Water Spirits, Redlocks Whiskey, Lovejoy's Bloody Mary Mix, Denord Craft Spirits, Edina Roastery, J. Carver Distilling, Sweet Haven Tonic, Tattersall, Sherub Shrubs, Muddle and Mint, and Popped Corn, Salad Girl, Patty Spice Nuts, The Salsa Collaborative, and Tiarina Spices, all there at the Lexington during this cocktail party so that you can taste all of the unique Minnesota-made products that we have to offer. We'll be doing sample sizes of cocktails and sample sizes of canned cocktails, and we've got some great bites for you there. We're going to be at the Lexington. You can get tickets. They're $40 a person, and it's at thelexmn.com to order. And we will have all of the makers with us that night. All of the floors of the Lexington will be open, so you'll be having a multi-dimensional experience at each of the different floors and be moving through the space, trying lots of new Makers products and old Makers products that you know and love. It's the Makers of Minnesota Cocktail Party. Hurry and get your tickets, because when they're gone, they're gone. But we anticipate that this is gonna be a sellout. We are really looking forward to hosting you. The cocktail party is gonna be April 26th. It's a Tuesday night, and we will have doors open at six o'clock, and we will host you until nine. It's the Makers of Minnesota Spring Cocktail Party. I'll be there. All of the makers that I've mentioned will be there, and we can't wait to meet you. everybody and welcome to the Makers in Minnesota podcast. One of my favorite parts about the podcast is when we get to check back in with makers that started with us on a journey and are still in the business and still moving it forward. And season two, episode 30, we were talking to Claire and Chad Simons and you guys were cricket farmers and you were like the second cricket farmer I had talked to, which is pretty cool. But at that time, you had started out, you were growing crickets at a facility in St. Louis Park, and you were really talking about, Claire was talking about the health benefits, Chad was talking about the sustainability issues and the protein component of crickets. And since then, you guys have blown up, like you've had like a huger warehouse, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Tell me about that. Was it 7,000 square feet and how many square feet are you now? We're at 3,500 square feet now, was 700. 100, that's it. Okay. Can you tell I have no sense of square footage in my brain? (laughs) Um, So that's basically four times, four or five times what you had. And crickets are really small and you're growing them and harvesting them and grinding them up and making them into food products. Is uh, Gustav Romero, the chef, still working with you guys? He is. He's very busy with Nixta. Yeah. But we, you know, we still collaborate and talk with him a lot. And he definitely, like we told you on the last podcast, he really helped us in the beginning and get us get help us with our spice mixes. And like we said, taught us what a cricket should taste like. So yeah. And you guys sell crickets to people, but you also mm-hmm. sell the powder yourself and you're starting to make food products. So let's talk a little bit about 
you know, obviously bigger space, more demand for crickets. That's cool. But Mm -hmm. how you're incorporating that into your food product life as we catch back up with you. Sure. So I believe we were in the process of maybe we had just finished our commercial kitchen inside the farm when we had spoke with you before. And I feel like just a couple of years ago, maybe before, right before the pandemic, we really were getting our products streamlined and we had the powder, cookies, snack mixes, and chocolate. chocolate. Now we've moved into chocolate, which is my favorite. Yeah, my (laughs) favorite too. We had to do something with that. I mean, it doesn't go well with chocolate, but (laughs) um, so, and we use a local company. We use San Jose Hacienda uh, chocolate from Ecuador, which is amazing. And so we, people have just really, it's definitely getting traction and kind of like we've said before, I almost feel like the pandemic, it put climate change in people's faces. People put their health first. So they're really curious. They're really interested. And, you know, where just a few years ago, it's, what are you doing? You know, people thought it was a prank and now I'll try that. Okay. Yeah. Gut health. Oh my gosh. I really want to try something. And if it's going to help with my immune system, if it's going to help with my gut health, if it's going to high protein. And so many new studies are coming out too, which is amazing. Um, there was a special on Nova a couple months ago, and they talked about how prebiotic fiber from crickets is the missing link to our gut health. And that's just absolutely amazing. So our crickets were tested and they're anti-diabetic, anti-hypertensive and anti-inflammatory. So kind of the answer to uh, the diet here in the U.S. Well, and I think it's interesting because a lot of people had challenges during the pandemic, and I imagine you did too, Mm -hmm. but coming out of it, you were poised in a different way because it really tested our food system. Very true. Yes, that is exactly right. I think you can talk more about that if you want. Well, sure. I mean, um, a big a big part of why a lot of cricket farmers go into producing food products with crickets is food security. It's a big deal. Um, and it's also sustainable. So not only are we facing the challenges with food security, we're also facing the challenges and, and hopefully meeting the challenges eventually of um, a food source that's sustainable, um, that, that can help, you know, with what we have seen happen to the rainforest, the, the environment in general, with um, types of uh, protein sources and other food sources that are not sustainable. So Chad, you told me once, I think, but you can turn over your entire crop of crickets. How fast? Well, uh, the life cycle for us is six weeks. So we get a fresh crop every six weeks and and we're working on making that even faster. It's really a matter of the climate they're in, the feed they get, um, just how well they're taken care of too. Um, Hands on. Yeah. We also feed them spent grains from breweries now. So we do an organic vegetarian chicken feed so that they have all the nutrients and vitamins. We're thinking about yeast and a nutritional yeast feed as well. And that 
industry, I feel like is starting to really kind of start up too, is what to feed the crickets. But to be able to create those food loops, those urban food loops within yeah. the Twin Cities. Yeah. So for example, um, we get our spent grains from Ladonia, Sarpiceria, and um, the crickets love it. Uh, it's a huge uh, source of protein for the crickets, which then is converted into protein that we eat. So it's really great to be a part of these regenerative ways of farming that take advantage of food loops. Um, so for yeah. the loop exactly being, you know, the, uh, the brewery gets their grains from the farmer then they use those grains to make their beer. The spent grains then come to us. The next part in the loop, we feed it to our crickets, and that's another food source. And then the, the crickets manure is called frass. And then we give that to the farmer, and the loop goes back to the beginning. So the farmer then uses the manure to, or the frass, to grow the, the grains that then go to the brewery that can you know, so it's a loop. I never thought about cricket poop before. So thank you for that. <laughs> We've got lots of cricket poop over so here. So <laughs> do they, I get frass, you call it. So yeah. do they poop a lot? Um, yeah, I mean. They do. It's dry. It doesn't smell. So I think that's. It's like sand. It is like sand. And huh. you, it's actually an amazing fertilizer and plant fertilizer and then and natural, natural insecticide or a natural uh, pest deterrent is pesticide, what I, I'd yeah. rather call it. Yeah. Not insecticide. <laughs> it doesn't really kill them. So it's not a pesticide. It just deters them. So what happens is the plant absorbs the, we believe it's the chitin. It's a compound in the frass. And then that plant is a, is alerted to a potential infestation because it feels like with all that frass around it, there must be insects there too. So it fortifies its defenses. And then any other actual insects that come, it's already fortified and sending out whatever kind of defenses it has to ward off in a, a real infestation. How cool. And yeah, that's real cool. You start to really like think about these things mm -hmm. and how much it goes into your planting and your food and the outcome of your food. And it's a really fragile system Yes, that I'm Absolutely. glad that people are testing it in different ways so that we can try to find other alternatives. You guys have these like almonds, you have chocolates now. Who's buying these snacks and are you selling them at retail or are you selling mm -hmm. them in breweries? So we have our online um, online on our website is obviously one of our primary places. We're just about to roll out our new packaging. And so we, and we're really focusing on a novelty line right now. And so we're thinking like the Jordan candy store, they had our crickets lap right before yep. they shut for um, the holidays. Minnesota's and, largest candy store in yep, Jordan. In yeah. Jordan. Yep. And um, we had like the science museum, Como zoo. So it's a lot of these paragus. They had our crickets in their holiday catalog and they yep. just, it was amazing. They are like, people love crickets. Yeah, so, yeah. And they're fine. We're finding too, that a lot of people are interested in including our products in gift boxes. So recently, yeah. Uh, yeah so for promotional reasons or whatever yeah. it yep. might be. Cause it's new. It's interesting. They're supporting local and it's, 
the future of food. So I think we did a, um, we did a makers of Minnesota gift box for holiday and I'd never done one before. And it was crazy how many people wanted them. And I mean, I was sold sold out out. Thanksgiving. (laughs) So I was, and, and I, I've never, I never did it because I, I'm not a fulfillment house, you know, like I didn't want to have all these boxes in my garage. And (laughs) I found someone that was a partner that does all that, but it was still pretty crazy. Like the interest just in regional products. So that speaks well to Minnesotans, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. When you think about. So you guys, do you see, obviously the cricket farming will grow and grow and grow if, and that's your side, Chad, but to clear, do you hope that the food side grows too and like developing more products and definitely. So we're looking at it right now is, I mean, I don't think crickets really will ever not be novel here to some people, but then, then our next line that we're thinking is more of a nutrition line. So it's really the powder, the prebiotic and, and the protein element, the good fats, healthy fats, everything like that. So that I think as it becomes and gains more traction and people become more aware of this superfood that's always been here, um, I think it's just gonna keep growing. Yeah. And what about elect what about electricity? Like as the challenge of inflation, is that hitting you guys in that way? Yeah, you know, um we have to keep our crickets pretty warm so that they can grow. Um, actually, I'm glad you brought this up. We're working with a group of students at the University of St. Thomas, um, the GAHR fellows. And uh, one of the projects we're going to have them work on is how to utilize solar panels, for example, or really any kind of or any source of renewable energy. Um, so we're taking a very close look at not only the sustainability of that, but also, you know, the cost of utilities as well. And our our focus and our mission is regenerative farming. So it's really net positive farming, right? That's really what we're looking to do. Are you guys to the point where you're making money? Like you're employing people, you're making money, you're adding to the fabric of our farming community. We are. are. (laughs) When did you get there? That's pretty exciting. Yes. We, um, we, our son, our oldest son actually works for us. He graduated last year. And so now he's a cricket farmer and we have another cricket. We have a farm manager as well. And we have um, two part-time kitchen employees. And I think I'll always be on the lookout for kitchen help. So yeah, so we're excited about that. Okay. And we have just more plans for expansion as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just excited to talk to you guys. It seems like things are going gangbusters. Are there areas that you need help in or that you're like, wow, if we just had this, this would go better? I know we just, a- uh, you know, we we just got a lot of help from two very close friends who have extreme expertise in business. Kind of a and, and for the longest time, I think Claire and I both were, you know, eager to find that kind of help. And so if we had just had, you know, more business expertise, more marketing expertise, that was the feeling we had until we met. Yeah. Until they were in a filled that. Until, yeah, we met, met this couple. So. And do you consult with them or is it coaching? Like, 
I see a lot of entrepreneurs that you're in a vacuum and you don't have a lot of resources other than your family and friends. That's very true. And I, they, well, and I think it's a relationship that's still in the works. They've been mentors and I think it'll probably grow yep. to be. So the takeaway group. would be to encourage people to reach out to other business owners and. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think so. I think um, social media is always something we're looking for help with. Cause I feel like I'm too old to even know <laughs> that stuff yeah. is, but it's really, I, the, through this novelty line that we're working on, it's, um, it's kind of family oriented. So it's, you know, a lot of taking the cricket challenge and you yep. think of like TikTok and you think of like, okay, I did it. I ate a cricket, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I kind of still say the Instagram. So I'm still trying, you know, I'm, we need to, yeah. to get with that more and start posting more. And start. You're not alone. I've tried yeah. to convince my daughter who's a writer. I'm like, if you just did social media, yes, you have a yes. million clients. Because <laughs> I do it, but I don't, I do it for the brands that I like and I don't really have any more capacity and I'm not TikTok savvy. You know, I think you really have to, if you're, if you follow Tina Rexing at all with T-Rex cookies, yes, she's just yes, she's oh, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. She hit on something that really works for her and you kind of have to have a gimmick. And so if anybody wants to start a business, being a social media marketer, call there me, you go. And I'll bring you, <laughs> you clients and clients. you can give yeah. me a cut of what you do. <laughs> <laughs> you never, never know. Um, yes. When we look forward, I I'm, I'm trying to keep promoting crickets and keep promoting your story. Are there other um, brands or things that you want to get into, like other partnerships that you're looking for? We're thinking for the nutrition line. um, We're really thinking, I know we had talked with you before about like a flour mix too. And we had, and I think that's definitely an option. I think, um, if we're going more towards like sports line, then it, that would be more of like a protein powder. Yep. And have it already pre-made. Um, I'd love to see you guys connect with Bakersfield flour and bread. Yes. That's, I remember that's who you had said. And I think yeah. that would be fabulous. I think the ease of, I think anytime we've kind of talked about it's easy, it's just like almond flour, but you're still having to put it all together. And it's a little bit, if you just have that one stop, product that you didn't even have to think about it it would yeah kind of like yeah um who is it that did um the french laundry guy i can't remember his name it's escaping me but the chef he did one cup one cup one cup oh yes 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 oh thomas keller that's his name Mm -hmm. and he's been uh really successful with that because i don't think i would like tinker around with cricket powder by myself but But if there was a mix with it and i could make crackers or pancakes or whatever I'd be more likely to do that. And I think heritage grain producers and millers is a great place to start because the texture is really different with heritage grains and it might be closer to a cricket texture. Yep. So just a thought, but no, that's all fabulous. Yes. At the food building. He'll, he'll hook you up. He's always looking for collaborations. That would be fabulous. And right. I think, like you said, it's scary to, you don't want to ruin a whole batch. You don't, you know, if you're making something, you want to know 
you know what you're doing. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's good to catch up with you guys. You too. Thank you. you. Yep. Keep me in the loop with what you got going on. And two years from now, you'll probably be at 10,000 square feet. You'll have solar panels, (laughs) tons of products. I feel it. Oh, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.